Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Dan Excelsior, the Mostly Marvel Podcast. I'm Ricky, and as always, we got Dennis joining me for, what is this, episode 103? We're still talking nice. about Harley Quinn this week. We're also talking a little bit about some Superman and uh, other Marvel nerd stuff that happened during the week. Yeah, it's August uh, 18th, if you're watching this when we air live. But mm-hmm. uh, full backstage past disclosure. Uh, we're pre-recording this on August uh, 17, 2023, um, just because we're trying something different. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're in the comments while we're live, we love you, uh, but uh, we're not going to be able to say anything back to you right away. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just... Uh, we read every single comment that comes our way. That's true. It's true. We do. Even if this is... if Even if you're, like, finding this video 40 years later... We've got we've got people on it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What have you been up to? What have you been? Uh, what have you been uh, nerding out on this week? What have I been nerding out on? Um, it's been a lot of games, sports games. So that's totally off topic. But Madden came out this week. That's like an official holiday. Okay. Um, so I've been playing a lot of that, and then watching. I feel so encumbered. Like I. I finally finished the bear, but I think I talked about that last week. Yeah, you um, did. I gotta watch only murders in the building. Um, I did not watch this week's episode. But Reservoir's Dogs is back. Reservation uh, Dogs. Reservation Reservation Dogs is back. Uh, there's just so much, and I just keep watching King of the Hill. <laughs> nice. R.I.P. Dale. Um, nice and that's just like the greatest comfort food so mad madden and king of the hill has my been my my week all right all right yeah that's that's uh that's pretty solid that's solid i have been um you know i i i said i said this a couple weeks ago i said i'm obviously gonna buy across the spider verse the second it's available and i did i did buy it on october on uh, august 8th i think when it came out um uh, but what's funny is I've actually been kind of like just drip feeding it. So I've been watching it a little bit here and there at a time just so that I can really take in each scene. Mm-hmm. That movie takes you on a lot of adventures, like a lot. So I'm actually just to the point where they got to the Spider Society. Uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying this movie more. But it's really fun to be able to pause it and just look at every little thing that they're like. The animation in that movie is so bananas. Like I can't like I, I, I think I'm also going slow because I know the ending's gonna piss me off. Uh so uh so I'm just kind of drip feeding. So every every other day or so I watch a little bit of it and it's just really it's really fun to watch. I wanna um, I wanna do a little experiment for it for us, just uh get get some some baseline question answered. Mm-hmm. Rank the Nolan Batman movies. One, two, and three. Which one's the best? And number two, number three. Oof! On any given day, like that's tough for me because uh, so sometimes I, I just cave into the peer pressure and I say the Dark Knight is the best one. Uh, other times, I honestly think that the Batman Begins movie is the best one. 
uh, just because like those are swappable one and twos that and... that movie that movie did some heavy lifting man mm -hmm. that movie set up an entire trilogy you know what i mean uh but i i would put three below them but i still like three a lot i really do but i i don't think that three is better than one or two okay and why did you ask why did you ask i'm gonna assume your spider-verse ranking is one's the best two's the second best and we have to obviously wait on three sure if we're gonna if we're just gonna, we're gonna talk wait about, on three if we're just gonna talk about those two for right now do you think spider-verse will be a better trilogy than the nolan batman trilogy time will tell man like it's 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 hard to say because like you know uh how much is is how much of the the dark knight rises was Nolan executing his vision or how much of it was the studio getting involved after the, it, this thing snowballed into a cash cow slash Academy award winning franchise. Right. Cause that's the same story we got here with the spider verses, right? Like when the first one came out, I don't think Sony knew what it was going to be like. And, and so there was a lot of like hands off. Yeah. The you want. Night was, best picture nomination right what the dark knight got a best picture nomination it, it won an, an oscar it won it won um academy award for heath ledger yeah yeah but it was it was, was it a nominated for best picture or no yes yeah it was the spider verse was not best picture it was best animated it won best animated yeah 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 but was it not was it nominated for best picture no uh, they they do some weird thing where they don't they don't <laughs> they don't they don't double dip they, they they shoehorn them into their own category so they don't have to put them in the main spotlight. Um, it's very rare that an animated movie gets nominated for best picture. Um, but in any case, like I and I and don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure Across the Spider-Verse will get nominated and there's a really good chance it'll probably win for best animated picture. Oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. because it is a phenomenal animated movie. I just think the other one is phenomenal er. <laughs> um but yeah so i've been watching that and then uh, i finally finished the henry cavill uh the, the final season of henry cavill's uh performance on the witcher and oh they tanked that season in the end it just got weird and messy and barely barely any henry cavill in it at the end and i was like what are you guys doing and i it left me not really excited for the transition where when it comes back, it's suddenly Liam Hemsworth. That's uh, that's going to suck. Um, but I did enjoy the first two seasons of The Witcher a lot. Yeah, you, know, you take, take what you get, right? Yeah. Is it as bad as Game of Thrones ended? No, it's not. But um, yeah, it just got, Maybe it got weird. Maybe better. Bite your tongue. <laughs> it won't be. It won't be. You, I, we forgot to talk about it last week. You watched um, Transformers: Rise of the Beast because you, you, you called me to ask me a very specific question about the opening. Oh, like I uh, would remember. Yeah, I don't know if it was my sound system or the way the the stream was interacting with my TV setup, but it was blasting my our, our ears with some horrible disruption. And I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be like part of the movie, if it was like, oh, is this a time travel like okay. thing happening right here? Kind of like situation. I just, yeah, like a distortion. 
and it got it was it was really sharp like every time it was just like really sharp like pop that sounded like very electronic-y and eventually i'm like this is really awful like i can't it's distracting and so i called you because i knew you saw the movie and i was like is this in the movie and you're like i don't know just go watch the intro on on youtube and find out and i tried that but i i couldn't tell and so i just went and watched the movie on my computer without the crazy sounds and stuff and it was fine there was nothing so that was it was a weird audio issue i don't know if it was paramount plus or my tv or my sound system whatever but i did watch it in the background while i was doing other stuff it's okay it's a good one of those yeah it's a background watch for sure it is <laughs> it's it's kind of boring like every transformers movie um ever the only thing that really saves it is pete davidson is funny pete davidson robot who who's he mirage right i guess and, he's mirage like but mirage is the he, he He's a stock car or whatever. No, he's right? a he's an F one. He's a formula F one yeah. car. But yeah. and he he pretends to be one for like five it. seconds yeah. in that movie. And and but yeah, like I I just it's not an offensive movie. It's 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 probably yeah, the least. It's, it's probably the least <laughs> offensive Transformers movie. I guess that's where we're at now. Um, but it still gets weird to me when I hear. Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime threatened to kill people or bad guys and what, stuff like that. Like it's what it's did weird. the the post credits do, do for you? Was that a surprise? No, it was dumb. The only thing that I, I guess you would have it would have helped is if you would have told me that Zelgko was in it because uh, that guy's cool and like I Who's felt that? like the guy who played the GI Joe guy uh, Zelgko. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Is that his real name or is that his Joe name? It's his real name. No. Oh. Uh, his real name is Zeljko Ivanik. And he's like a famous actor who's been, he was like in Hannibal and Argo and like uh, he's been in a lot of a lot of stuff like uh, uh, he's been around for a long, long time. Uh, True Blood. Uh, He's in X Men Apocalypse, I guess. Uh, yeah, he's 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 a he's a really good actor. It's 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 hard for me to remember everything he's ever done, but like his name is so special, you know. Like it's Zeljko, um, and I thought it was interesting that he was like the actor they tapped because like it was probably like somebody somewhere in the production team remembered this guy from like a long time ago when he right. was like who can we get on er or he was on uh you know like from ally mcbeal or he was just on all kinds of stuff back in the day and and so like he's always been good and everything i think he was in um no he's not i was gonna say i think he was in uh the kevin spacey show on netflix but it's not i'm thinking of somebody else uh he was in the west wing you know like, he's a solid actor uh, but anyways, when I saw him, I was like, oh, well, that makes this kind of cooler and dumber at the same time, because like he didn't even introduce himself in G.I. Joe, like as any specific person or um, sorry. Uh, yeah, like he's but whatever. I, I don't mind that. Uh, I don't mind that they're going to like cross over G.I. Joe and Transformers. That's 
that's fine. It's actually a very storied tradition in the comic world. Let the toys uh, play it, together. It actually, the weird part for me is that the reason it's a it's a known thing is because both Transformers and GI Joe started as Marvel comics. Like, I mean, when I mean started as, I mean like the the versions of them that everyone knows, like mm-hmm. that were defined, like all the characters were defined by the team at Marvel Comics. That's how Hasbro did it. They asked them to create a story for them to sell their toys. And so Marvel did that for both. And uh, it was very successful, obviously. And so it's funny that this company now is trying to create a shared universe to compete with Marvel's shared universe using (laughs) properties that were once part of Marvel's shared universe. Like it used to be, it used to be GI Joe's and Transformers were hanging out with Spider-Man and stuff like that too. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was a whole thing, but now, you know, one day Hasbro said, nah, we're good. We don't need you anymore. Marvel. Thanks for the, Thanks for all the money. And then they just dipped out and they they pulled the uh they pulled the license from from Marvel. And so they they you know they own it obviously and and uh yeah they, they can do what they want. They have their own studio yeah. now too. Side yeah. side but related tangent, I learned today that the creator of Ninja Turtles so sold the rights to Viacom like I think like 2016, 2017. The co creator of co-creator. Can you guess how much he sold it for? Oh yeah, it was like ninety million or something like that. It was it was a sixty million. Oh yeah, sixty million. Yeah, no, I just watched that episode of the Toys That Made Us the other and, day. And Turtles profit this year alone is a billion. Yeah, well, you know what's funny about that is like if you want to go on another tangent, yeah, if you had watched the Toys That Made Us um, about that one, uh, so Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, uh, they co-created this, you know, as a they co-created Ninja Turtles as a like parody and, and, and kind of like spoof of comic books in general. And like, so there's little, there's DNA of a lot of famous like comic books inside that, that story, but like they did it, you know, with their, you know, once it started as a joke, they drew a turtle with some Ninja gear and they're like, that's pretty cool. And then they're like, okay, you draw one. And then, and so they both did it. And then they finally came up with these four characters they loved them so much and they said, okay, let's make a comic book out of this. And so they did, right? And they made some really hard rules as a team. Like these guys, these guys were just like two guys that just met each other and they shared so much in common that they just kind of like loved collaborating with each other. And they made this thing that really quickly turned into this like multi-million dollar franchise, right? And so they always kind of agreed, hey, let's let's stick to these rules about how we manage it. And then one day, way down the line, after several reboots had happened and uh, the movies had live action movies had come out and each one got significantly worse than the one before it. Eventually, uh, somehow Fox Kids is asking them to take the puppets from the old movies and do a a Saban produced TV show. So uh, they bring in the girl turtle, right? And so that's what, so what happened was they were like, Hey, we were thinking, you know, for this power Rangers type show, maybe we add a girl because with the power Rangers always have a girl. And they're like, mm-hmm. and this is actually where 
the creative team split because they the one of them peter laird said no you and i always agreed it was just the four it was just the four turtles and this other guy kevin eastman had got really happy like really comfortable with all the paychecks he was getting from all the <laughs> i mean we're talking about a lot of money was the coming purest. their way and so yeah the purists dipped out right and eventually uh what ended up happening the irony is um after you know that was a shit show that 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 whole female turtle thing and then and then like several more iterations uh or or just or i think it was just the the franchise was dying right like and so eventually kevin eastman said hey i don't i don't want to do this anymore like it's it's kind of drained me creatively so he sold his share back to peter laird right peter laird and it was after he sold his share to peter laird that's when viacom approached and said hey uh can we buy it and he thought like they thought as an agreement that they were never going to sell it to a giant company but then a 60 million dollar check came in front of him and he's like ka-ching and kevin eastman got none of that none of that wow. money but uh I mean, in fairness, though, uh, once Viacom bought it and 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 they started producing more new comics and new IP and everything like that, the cool thing is they actually reached out to Eastman and had him be a collaborator on a lot of stuff. So he actually wrote, he writes the comics still. Uh, he 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 helps be a, a, cons a consultant on all the new shows and the movies and stuff like that. So he does get money. He just didn't get. He didn't get the the giant cash payout that that uh, old Peter Laird got. Royalties, baby. That's what you yeah. want. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So they're both taken care of. But that's my tangent. Um, well, they took care of Ninja Turtles, and I'm going to take care of the news. It wasn't your worst segue. Was it, worst wasn't, it wasn't your worst one for sure. James Gunn keeps sending DC Comics to Amazon's bestseller list. Um, this is an article by James Whitbrook from Gizmodo, but it's actually kind of cool. Um, so over the past, what are the six, eight months now since James Gunn has taken over yeah. uh, DC, in movies starting to get announced or projects get announced, he, he's pretty active on tweeting about specific books that he's reading or references that he's like, hey, it's kind of cool. And sure enough, those books that he tweets goes uh, ends up being on Amazon's bestseller list. Uh, latest being this uh, Wonder Woman origin arc. Uh, what is where is it? Uh, the Historia of the Amazons um, dropped from 63 to number one over the past week. That's fine. But I think it's cool. I, this is one area I think Marvel could like do better at is pimping their own stuff, you know, in a more more public facing way. Well, so there's a trick to it, right? I think Marvel does a great job of pimping their own stuff yeah, through the normal media channels. But what you got to understand is James Gunn doesn't represent DC. James, James Gunn is in charge of DC movies. This, yeah, that's like yeah, yeah. So it it 
and and to be fair, I don't think James Gunn has read everything ever like DC, right? Like I think Kevin Feige just knows the Marvel universe inside and out so well uh, that he's not like going back and reading things that he he thinks needs to be need to be uh, incorporated in stories. I think he just knows. I think he's always current. So I think the equivalent would be if James Gunn said, I'm thinking of making a movie about this story, you know, like and then and then seeing how that would affect the uh, the the sales on on the New York Times bestseller list uh, or Amazon's bestseller list, whatever that would that would make sense. But like, let's just be honest, though, like people like James Gunn's taste, you know, he's a tastemaker like he's 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 got a really good track record for storytelling. And if he says something's a good story, I think people are going to be inclined to listen to him. And so uh, I think it's just this weird um byproduct of him doing his research for these movies is he's also making the company a bunch a buttload of extra money so props to him that's cool company um, man james gunn yeah 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 yeah. he's he's finding ways to help them out but i i think uh you know i have google alerts set up for uh this, for this show for uh for marvel and i i get them condensed once a day you know like and uh i promise you Marvel knows how to, how to advertise themselves just fine. Like they just, you know, I think it's Marvel just not Marvel slash Disney, not hurting for cash. I think they just, uh, they just saturate. They, they, there's such a saturation that it's hard to like pick out one. You know what I mean? Cause you, I yeah, you can this week too. So I guess there you yeah, go. There you, there you go. Yeah. So were they Marvel? They were I bought uh, or I pre-ordered the upcoming Miss Marvel. Iman Vidalani. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. The, the four comic books, and they're signed for like less than 30 bucks. So that's pretty cool. Moving on back to Marvel. Uh, look out for the little guy, the in universe book uh, written by Scott Lang. Uh, that is going to be an actual book releasing here in the next month or so. Oh, it um, hasn't come out yet? I think it comes out next month. It's in September. Oh. I don't have the date yet. Um, but snippets, he's doing, the, he's doing the audiobook, right? Yes, he is doing okay. the, the audiobook. But as okay. snippets of the book are kind of coming out as uh, reviews and whatnots are, are starting to come in. And I guess the one nugget of, of news that came from this in universe Marvel MCU news is that Hawkeye and the Hulk took Scott Lang to dinner or to lunch, and they are the ones that convinced him to write the book. So let's get that. That's kind of funny. Okay. All right. That's that's that piece of news. I mean, but how do you did you ever read the Thanos Rising book, the the, the first MCU tie-in book or whatever? No. Okay, he's in my. <laughs> no. I just I like I mean, pick a lane. Do you want me do you want this universe to exist in in the movie form or do you want it to be a comic? You know what I mean? Like I'm getting very comfortable accepting that different mediums are different universes. But like for me, like when you do, when you adapt something from print and you put it into film and then you go back to print, then I wonder, okay, is the, is the, is the new version of print actually part of your story? Are you ever going to reference anything from it later on or? Well, I mean, Star Wars does. That's the whole thing with Star Wars. That's, I think that's cool right now is everything 
is is canon. Yeah, it is, but do they reference do do the is it an Agents of Shield kind of situation? That's what I'm saying. Like, is it because everything in Agents of Shield is technically canon, but never gets acknowledged in the movies? I think I mean most I feel like they touch on a lot of stuff, right? I mean, I think Ahsoka, the show coming on next week, right? That that was a a kid's cartoon ten years ago. Yeah, but I'm fine with the TV shows and and the movies being in the same universe. But I'm saying like the stuff that's in print, like is yeah. Way, in the comics, they explain how uh, C3PO had the red arm in the Force Awakens, and that doesn't ever get referenced though in the movie. They ask him about the arm. <laughs> you, sure. They 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 pick their to 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 your point. They they do pick and choose what they acknowledge. I think but. I think the shit rolls downhill is what I'm saying, and so like I think the they the 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 print media gets the table scraps of of the 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 more premium format, which is the movies and the TV shows. Well, well yeah. some people are calling it table scraps. Some are calling it a revision. But uh, Spider Verse Two, as you kind of alluded to, you. Uh, got it on a uh, digital on demand right mm-hmm. and people are noticing that the version that they are getting is different than the theatrical version um and there's kind of news going around um when the movie was in theaters that there's different cuts of the movie yeah where different scenes are changed ever so slightly and this of course continued on to um the home release and to the credit of lord and miller they consider the home release the definitive version of Into the Spider Verse. But what's your what's your thoughts and takes on on tweaks and edits? Um, well, I, I think this show did something. This movie did something really cool by releasing multiple versions in theaters simultaneously, intentionally, right? Like I think it's it's pretty awesome because it it pushes that idea of multiversal like differences slightly more right so it's actually creating a mandela effect in real time right like where people are saying hey i just saw this clip on tiktok it is not the same as the scene i saw in the theaters what the hell's going on you know and and then that started happening a lot and a lot and uh and i think it's 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 it only works because of the way we consume media nowadays right like we can see like like you can go watch a movie and then 10 minutes late after you get home, like you can see that scene from the movie on TikTok because somebody's up there recording that. And that that's just not a thing that used to happen normally, right? Before TikTok existed. And so I think it's really cool that this movie is aware of the way it's being consumed and it's it's playing with it, right? It's playing with people. And it's uh, it's making people question the where and the why and the how of, of like of everything they're seeing. So if they say it's the definitive version, I'm I'm fine with that. That's cool. I can only say that I am thoroughly enjoying watching the version I am watching <laughs> at home. And I don't care if one line is different here or one line is different there because it, it's all for fun. It's all to cr- generate that buzz, right? Like they it's intentional like so i don't i don't mind 
it like does it change the story fundamentally i heard no. i heard one of the differences in the in the in the uh streaming version is uh alternate miles his hair is longer and it's like okay cool like but i don't it's not gonna that doesn't ruin the movie for me you know what i mean like it's 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 all it's 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 all superficial stuff that they're changing just for the the sake of playing with people's uh expectations and stuff like that so i dig it in this case you know there's other times where like disney jumps in and like uh, edits a movie because they're like oops we did something wrong you know like i don't think that's what's happening here i think this is entirely meant to generate uh word, word of word a little mouth. bit of a and b in terms of serendipity like mm -hmm. i i didn't i didn't mind like if you go back and watch miss marvel right the statue of liberty is now the appropriate color that it would be in the mcu versus the patina version that was in the original airing of or original streaming of that show i'm totally uh, fine with the, with them going back yeah. and fixing stuff like if they go back and in uh end game where there's some roadie scenes where his blood is kind of purple sure go go patch notes some movies i'm i am fine with that i know people aren't because they want to assume that marvel has this grand 10-year plan but a 10-year plan is not the same as having detailed notes on every every moment yeah well i i don't i don't mind the patch notes it's fine like if they want to do it but just know people are going to catch them and so like i think what i'm saying is the difference here is sony knew sony knew right out of the gate that what they were doing right and they were releasing simultaneous different cuts in theaters on purpose you know and so that's i think that's very different from what Mar marvel has been doing with their movies and shows for a while now like and so it's fun it's fun i like it all right rounding out the news uh some toy stuff that came out this week i'll let you take it away oh man this is a sexy one uh the shield agent trooper and hydra trooper two pack um i the think bundle. i talked it's a it's a two pack yeah i i talked about this um they kind of snuck this on us uh, at a comic con on the last day of the convention hasbro just snuck some figures up on a glass shelf didn't say anything at all i was actually there with dwight stall like uh when he was uh, editing uh like updating all the the shelves and i was like what's that and he's like well i don't know what you're talking about he was being all coy with me and stuff and i'm like I mean, it's right. It's right there. I could I could see these two figures, um, and it's a uh, female versions of uh, some of your core armies. Uh, your like two of the most famous army, uh, you know, units. I guess in in uh, the Marvel universe, the Shield and Hydra. Uh, they finally went and and got some uh, gender inclusion. So there are now um, uh, female versions of them. And just like the older two-pack of S.H.I.E.L.D. troopers that they released a couple years ago as a Hasbro Pulse exclusive, this one comes with three swappable heads, and they actually made sure to include uh, the, the the suit color all the way up to the neck uh, so that it doesn't matter what color the faces are. So you have a good uh, you know, mix of uh, diversity in the skin tones and, and uh, flesh colors of the different faces available. Which, by the way, the face printing on those faces looks amazing, really cool. But if you don't want unmasked heads, they also come with, you know, a standard Hydra uh, female, uh, you know, with the big bug-eyed head. And they come with a shield trooper in like a, a cool visored uh, helmet. 
Um, but yeah, this this two pack went up for pre order on uh, Thursday of this week. And uh, what's really weird is Hasbro is limiting uh, customer purchases to three per household. Oh, that's kind of gross. That's rough for an you army. You want building me to, to, to buy you some some Hydra figures? No, I actually I have I actually already have enough uh, female uh, shield figures. And in my head canon, I think Hydra's sexist, and they wouldn't have a lot of these female uh, uh, characters. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be okay <laughs> with just a few. I, I, hey, they're bad guys. They're racist. They're Nazis. I I I'm fine with them also being sexist too, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but it's a really cool two pack, and I like honestly, just if you want like street character, you know, like just uh, if you want to have like different like casual people walking down streets and stuff like that. These three heads are really great for just making you know like taking your existing the one head gives me very what's what's the uh, scientist supreme Monica is it Raspucci? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I see that. I see the Raspucci head on there. Yeah, it's they're really cool. They're all really cool. I, I love these figures. I think they're they're gonna be fun. Um, and I you know I I like army building, and so I think it's fun whenever you get like a whole bunch of them together. Like they just look really cool. I don't know how easy it is to see, but I do have my shield and and uh, aim and hydras over on the side of me in this in this video every time when we're recording. Um, and I like it because it's just a bunch of people in the same costume look really cool, unless it's the 2000 X-Men movie. <laughs> well, talking about people in costumes looking cool, <laughs> oh let's get gosh. to the spotlight. Where, where do we begin? You want to do Superman or Harley Quinn? I am not as up to speed on Superman as you are. Um, well, yeah. So we were talking after the show last week, and we were saying, you know, it's kind of weird that we're just doing this show on on only Harley Quinn when there is other stuff out there that I, you know, we've been consuming that's new content. Uh, like I mentioned to him, um, you know, that I, I'm actually really enjoying my adventures of Super with Superman, which is a show that's been airing for about. A few weeks longer than Harley Quinn. Uh, it came out in July, I think, seventh uh, is when the first episode aired on Adult Swim, and they shortly after they put them up on uh, HBO Max or Max, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was like, Ricky, you should check this one out. And then after last week's episode aired, I was like, Ricky, you should really check this one out. So, <laughs> uh, but then uh, aside from that, there's also uh invincible i i just discovered it on my on my um uh, amazon prime uh invincible put out a prequel episode slash mini movie uh that's uh a, it's like an hour long episode about adam eve and like the, her origins and stuff and so i was like hey there's a lot of superhero content out there that we haven't been talking about um unfortunately i think ricky you weren't able to catch the adam eve one so i saw the fight so the fight was cool which fight uh with the alien the Warner? alien oh the, okay the what never mind it's okay it's okay don't worry about it but uh we can talk about that one another time but like i'm down to talk about both uh you know harley quinn and my adventures of superman just because 
those are the two things that are current right now. And like, and that is what happens when we're in a Marvel drought. We, we, I will gladly talk about DC all day if, if Marvel doesn't give me something to talk about. So let me, let me get a baseline. I am not a Superman fan. I don't particularly care a lot for Superman as a character. I did really enjoy Man of Steel, and I've never seen the Donner films. So that's my Superman uh, knowledge. I know okay. you're a bit more Superman versed than me, so let's let's bring bring me up to speed on on Superman for for Dennis. I mean, uh, you know, fun weird fact. I would say Superman was probably my first superhero ever. Um, for I, a lot don't, of I don't know that he's he was ever my favorite, but my parents thought I liked him enough that they put Superman wallpaper in my in my bedroom as a kid uh, when I was a really little kid, um, and. It's probably because, you know, we all like everybody my age grew up with the Richard Donner Superman film like it, that movie came out, I think, uh, a year before I was born. But um, and it was, you know, like back in the day, uh, movies that came out, you know, in theaters, it would take about three years before they were finally in circulation on TV all the time. So, right. You know, I was at that right age where superman was available to watch at home on tv and and uh i ate that movie up and i think um as i got older i tried reading superman comics and i didn't like them and i and and i and i think every time i ever read him in a comic book something about it just rubbed me the wrong way and i kept pointing back to i like Christopher Reeve Superman way more and and what's really funny is I think that ended up being true for a lot of Superman content is I like him better in non-comic book form (laughs) (laughs) um I I don't know what it is I think that you know too many writers just don't like I, I, maybe, I remember maybe I, watching the show, the the animated show, and then and not grasping the concepts, but liking the what I was seeing. <laughs> the animated show, uh, you know, based on the Bruce Tim style of, of characters, like mm-hmm. the, the, from uh, the Batman animated series, it was basically a a, a, a spinoff show of, of the yeah. Batman show. Um, that for me was the bar, like that because. When I watched that show, I said, okay, this is a Superman that's really cool and relatable. And I think I think throughout the years, there's been d- different stories uh, or different versions of the, of the story. And I think the ones I always gravitate to are, yes, we all know Superman's an alien, right? And he's an alien who who is an orphan and he doesn't have, you know, his, he does, he's just learning about his family, uh, you know, through these magical crystals and, you know, fortresses, all all this stuff. And, and yeah, that's interesting. I guess it's cool. But like, for me, what I always found more fascinating is um, that this alien that is basically a God amongst us, right? Uh, He, he falls in love with the human race. Uh, in spite of the fact that like there's a Lex Luthor out there that wants nothing more 
than to just kill this freaking alien, right? Like he just wants to ruin this alien and get him, you know, off our planet and all this stuff. And and even in spite of all these bad guys that he's always encountering, like he wants he wants to see the good in human beings. And I think that's what's really cool. And I, I always like to attribute that to his parents, you know, his upbringing, his Kansas, his good old middle America upbringing that he got from Ma and Pa Kent. And so I think the versions of the story when, that I, I prefer are the ones that aren't encumbered by all this baggage, right? Because the problem with the comic book Superman is like, that guy is from the 30s, man. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> from the 30s and there's a lot of gross stuff, right? Like there's you can find propaganda pieces from World War Two. Well, that, yeah, like, I mean, he was say, like that say like Superman says slap a Jap. And it's like, whoa, that's not cool. on like, it's, on paper. Superman is just like. The, is this a hot take? I think one of the at, at a pure base level is one of the laziest character creations ever it's you you called a guy superman gave him every power and put a fucking s on his chest sure and but that's what you're working with back then to to right right and and in fairness he was the very popular character until uh captain marvel came out right and Mm -hmm. captain marvel was a giant ripoff of superman and he started selling outselling superman comics by a lot but it's a story it's a kind of it's a it's an archetype that people ate up back then, right? Because it was something to aspire, like that people could like, it's a wish fulfillment, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, hey, I'm trapped in this life, this mundane life of living in in, in society and, and under its rules. And I get to read a story about somebody who is unencumbered by all of these rules of society and can do whatever they choose to do. And for some reason, they choose to do good. And that's really interesting, you know? Um, now, yes, that comes from a different time. And so what I like is I like, I like the updated versions of the stories where they frame it from the perspective of a person who wants nothing more to fit in and be human. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that is why, um, I love the Christopher Reeve version so much and I love my adventures with Superman so much is because back in. <laughs> yeah, because I think I think how, how many episodes did you watch of that show? I watched two. Is he not the most charming like cartoon Superman ever? He's a, he's a good Superman. He, it's it's because he's not. I feel like we're better. Like I feel like the the machismo's not there, and that it's makes Jack, it a better. It's, it, it's Jack Quaid, aka Huey from the Boys. Who is already the the opposite of of macho, right? Like he is the most far from op, uh, macho person you could he's, ever have. He's a guy wanting. The story is he's the guy that wants to fit in, and he has this extraordinary gift. Yeah, and, and he's still learning about it in the show, exactly. Too. And, and yeah. but it's not, you know, again different take. But it's not he's burdened by. I don't. I don't think he's burdened by the gifts. He's just, yeah, figuring yeah. out what he's, what he's, he's working with he's learning he has gifts and he's learning that each gift that he he figures out is something that he can use to help these human beings that he cares so deeply about and i think that's a really cool way of doing that and and so um i will spoil a little bit for you uh because i i 
your homework was to get to last week's episode. And I understand you got a lot of stuff going on. And so you couldn't get there. But the fun thing I like about this show is, is it's, it's a serialized storytelling in that. Uh, I think I'm using that term correctly. Every episode builds off of the story that you saw from the, the previous one. Mm-hmm. And so I always like long form storytelling like that, where you get to see where it's going and, and, and it does take a lot of, of inspiration from anime, like, uh, like shonen style uh, stories. And in fact, they chose to do that intentionally. So they actually hired a uh, Korean um, animation studio, Studio Mur, to do the animation for the show so that it feels like an anime. You There's know, a, like, a good crispness to it that I really like. Yeah, it's the same it's studio. Over, that, it's not over stylized either. It's the same studio that did uh, uh, Avatar uh, Legend of Korra and mm-hmm. Voltron Legendary Defender on Netflix, which I love both of those shows. Um, but it's it's yeah it's it's a really it's some tight animation it's really nice um, it is jarring because you're seeing these characters presented in that anime style uh, but the cool thing is is it's telling stories in that anime style as well where it keeps continuing continuing and so I'm gonna spoil a little bit for you Go the for reason it. the reason I got so excited about like wanting because I, I I've been hesitant about recommending the show because I I can tell that the show is 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 very not your dad's superman it's it's polarizing right yeah you said it you said it yourself you think you think fans of superman like this show but you think fans of dc do not and i thought that was a really interesting way of putting it um and it's it's i kind of see where you're going with that but i think if you are a fan of dc and you made it to episode seven it's pretty cool because in episode seven you meet basically the Rick and Morty equivalent of the Council of Loises. You meet a bunch of Lois Lanes from a bunch of different dimensions, and you find out that they're trying to stop something bad from happening because um, all of these Loises, it's not its not a bunch of Loises, it's, it's like a handful of Loises, right? And you find out that those Loises have had very bad experiences with their Superman going you know the the bad scenario right like the yeah the, the worst justice. worst worst case scenario yeah. yeah and you actually get to see glimpses of injustice superman and you get to see some of I, the other i think i saw the clip and they, they do cycle through the they cycle through all the bad supermen that we've seen yeah. in different media and i was like that's super cool and so yeah, I think that's always kind of like a fun story to tell. Like, it's not. There's a Ben Affleck looking one. Like, <laughs> sure. like from what was the movie he did? Uh, Hollywood I, Land or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, it's it. What's what's fun about this is it's exploring the idea of uh, this low. What if this Lois Lane that we're meeting in the show is so distrustful of of everything? that she even distrusts meeting a bunch of herself. <laughs> and 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 like, like, what does that say about Lois Lane that she distrusts herself, right? Like, and so, um, so she's snooping to figure out that the real secret behind these Loises that are all like, you know, traveling interdimensionally to prevent horrible things from happening uh, because of Superman. And like, and meanwhile, like the Superman that we are, following in the story is the furthest thing he could ever be from being 
evil Superman, right? So like it's sad because like I I don't want to see this one ever go bad, but like <laughs> if he did, that would be nuts, you know. So um I just really enjoy the ride I'm I'm going on. And then like and then there's a third component to that, which is Jimmy, right? Jimmy's like this third wheel, but it's it's mm -hmm. telling the story of the three of them as young up and coming uh people uh, like friends all trying to uh, you know establish a career at the yeah. daily at the daily planet mm -hmm. and and it's really a beautiful uh story about their friendship and and you know budding romance and stuff between Lois and Clark and it just makes me really excited to watch it because they're doing stories differently than I've seen them done before so every time I watch it I don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of what makes me excited for this show. Um, and I highly recommend people check it out because it's, it's really fun. And so you should check it out because you, do I mean, now that you mentioned the, the airbender connection, there's like a, I don't even know what to call the tone, but it's, it's not, I don't say it's not serious, but it's, it, they it, write, it, they write a good line between, they charming tell and yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't they find tell, it. Like the, they, they tell, they do a good balance of telling, uh, you know, strong story, like or heavy storytelling, but also lightening it with, with a lot of, 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 of levity and charm and action and, and yeah. And, uh, very similarly to how Harley Quinn does things most of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. But just, but just without the R rating. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that, we, we can actually just move over to Harley Quinn uh, with the last couple minutes of this episode. Um, Metamorphosis, right? That was that was the title of the episode. Yeah. So let's just let's just get the the thing out of the way right now, right? We they, ended they on a cliffhanger. Thing. We so far they did the thing. We ended on a cliffhanger I'm, last week. We said, uh, "You think they killed Nightwing?" This show definitively starts with Nightwing's with funeral, and. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I feel weird about it being unceremonious, but at the same time, I actually think it's kind of cool that we're not seeing it through the lens of the Bat family necessarily. We're experiencing the death of, of Nightwing through the eyes of the villains. And they're pretty happy, right? Like and they're and they're but they're also it's not the end all be all thing affecting all of their lives, right? Like the way it's affecting Batgirl. Like Batgirl becomes a full-on alcoholic in that episode. Uh, so you get to see little glimpses of how the heroes are experiencing it. But um, yeah, they did the thing and they leave you hanging all episode long, like trying to, Harley's trying to figure out who did it. Like everybody's upset at Harley because, you know, she's trying to be a superhero and it basically looks like her girlfriend, who is the boss of the Legion of Doom, is directly responsible for killing you know the first robin ever and so i mean it's it's like it's like their job basically right yeah like, yeah yeah and harley uh, you know ivy's not taking credit for it but at the same time it's probably somebody that works you know underneath her and so good on them right like that's it's good for doing their job you know we gotta it's a good get that's what they say in the episode right nightwing's a good get and um it's pretty funny but like uh, the surprise twist at the end is that it's the Joker 
who wanted mm-hmm. to bring back one of his classic greatest hits, which is kill a member of the Bat family. And he's announcing to everybody that he's back and he's evil. I think the funniest part in that whole episode was when he announces to his family, his adopted family. family. They're, all, they're just like and, all down with it. And they're all down. You think the wife is going to be like, no, this is not cool. And that you're a bad influence on my kids. But she's like, you know, there's a bank teller that's been really bitchy with me for years. And you're like, oh, my God, it's a whole <laughs> family of evil. And yeah, I just think this show's so funny because it does that, right? It does. It goes places that uh, it's not like. Oh yeah, else would the be death of Nightwing would be a whole arc in a in a darker series, right? And yeah, be very somber and very tragic. And then, but here we just get to see the villains having a Nightwing pinata and they're having fun, just smacking the pinata and like. It's just silly, right? And then there's like this other weird, silly subplot where Ivy's trying to get rid of this these PR guys that are like oh the, my the God. Johns. Uh, leaving, the Johns. Uh, having been in a workplace where I had to use buzzwords like that so constantly <laughs> to see them <laughs> get party and like when she's like, you know, brand synergy and up my, my uh, whatever the PR speak she says. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's a it's a good episode. Um, I I'm happy that the you know I, I Ivy's recruits the you know what did they call them the 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 natural disasters natural disasters have convinced her to you know like really quickly to to see the error of her ways because I, I was kind of worried that this season was going to follow more of the same plot beats as last season where I. Ivy's head gets too big for her and and she just kind of loses track of, of who she is. But it seems like she found herself mid-season really quick. So she's course correcting. And and now I'm interested to see where this is going. Meanwhile, there's like another weird plot twist happening where like I think Harley's going insane. Uh, Harley walking. She's been sleepwalking, but now she actually saw a version of herself outside of herself. And she's like very confused with what's going on, and I, I'm interested enough. Like I would, I would say the cliffhangers this season have been kind of dumb because, like, I don't know that I'm, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about most of them. Uh, but each time I come back, they make me care a little bit more, right? Like I couldn't tell last week. I'm like, am I supposed to think that Nightwing's dead or not? But then when I come back, they give me the answer. So. I think this ep- this season will look better in retrospect. Oh yeah. When it's all, oh, yeah. When it's all over, it's going to be a really fun binge and in fairness, I really do jo- enjoy binging the entire series repeatedly. I I probably watch Harley Quinn more than most animated shows ever. Like I've watched the first 3 seasons several times. Um cuz it's just funny. It's just a super funny show and it always has uh just bonkers stuff going on and like you sometimes you have like baby sharks jumping inside of a giant <laughs> man's mouth and eating his guts out from the inside poison ivy easter eggs with their patent show all the little little ivies were, were dressed as like uma thurman basically they were good they're good there's so many little things all the time did you notice at one point in the legion of doom that uh, you see um sugar and spice walking by like those are it was a uh, it was the two characters from Batman Forever that hung out with um, 
uh, Two Face, and one of no, them was one one of them was played by uh, by um... oh now I'm losing it. The girl from E.T. Uh, Drew Barrymore. Yes, Drew Barrymore played. Uh, That's her Drew Barrymore reference. Damn, you're old. E.T. I I know she's in it, but that's funny. You don't? I would have. I mean, I do know she's in it. I do. Know I she's could go girl. with the Adam Sandler movies too. I, that, know, like, that's what I know her as. Everybody my age knows Drew Barrymore is <laughs> famous for E.T. But I think Fifty First Dates is my default. Drew Barrymore. That's a good. That's a good one too. That's a good one too. Oh, also, she's wedding singer, Char- right? Charlie's Angels. Okay, eh, I never yeah. got into Charlie's Angels. It's fine. But in any case, it's just like the shows, (laughs) the shows always throwing in like these weird little nods to like every version of, you know, Batman or or anything like that. And so I think it's really funny just how the the animators and the writers and stuff are just having a blast doing whatever they can with with this. And so I think both shows, both, uh, you know, the Superman show and and Harley Quinn are are doing that like they're doing fresh takes on things that you know like it, it cracks me up like when i watch the credit you know I, the credits just kind of play when the show ends on harley quinn and every time the credits play it always brings a smile to my face when it says harley quinn created by paul dini and bruce tim because that's where she came from she came from the animated series you know that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. um that inspired the superman animated series and and all these things and and what i think is really cool is this new My Adventures of Superman actually shows you one of the Lois's, uh, it, like one of the Hall of Fame Lois's, like they have like a statue room. One from the show? And it's one from the show, you know, and it's really cool. <laughs> it's a good um, Lois. Yeah, it's a good Lois from the old cartoon. Uh, and But I just think it's really cool that like Bruce Tim and Paul Dini created this girl, Harley Quinn, this character who was a very specific thing back then on that show. And how far she's come from she's what that thing the was. Hot topic market. Woo, she's so far from what that sh- that character was to begin with. And that's I think that's awesome. I think anytime DC or or Marvel can take characters and push them in really far directions that are still fun and, and make you want to check in and see what they're doing, that's a plus. And uh, you know, I, I like what DC's doing right now with their with their cartoons. In fact, I've always liked what DC's doing with their <laughs> cartoons. It's it's just where they excel. So. Oh yeah, they've had they've had the in the animated movie thing unlock for a minute. Um, or yeah. anything animated is usually better on DC. And I think uh I'll put DC animation stuff above what if. I won't put it above Spider-Verse though. Okay. I won't. <laughs> I say as the whole, as a whole, the DC stuff is better than than what if. Sure. Yeah. All yes. I'll, I'll I'm all parts. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I think we're gonna wrap this this one up for this week. Ooh, Next week, tight. that's a very tight show. Next week we got Harley Quinn episode seven. Find out and, what else and Joker has planned. And maybe you'll be caught up on Superman, so we can. Maybe finish. I'll be caught up on Superman. And maybe you guys will be caught up on Blue Beetle, um, yes. which is the movie we'll be talking about next week. Uh, super stoked, really bummed that they can't get a premiere, but of course, we're all going to be watching it. And that's and that's a wrap, guys. And that's a wrap. Peace out, like guys. And like and subscribe. Patreon.com, Sustainix Media. See ya. Enough said. <laughs>